0: Unicorn
1: Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. I'm George, and I'm Jeff. And guess what? what? I'm gonna be at Disneyland next week. No. Aren't you excited? Yeah, I thought that restraining order. No, no, no. It doesn't doesn't apply anymore.
0: Oh, that's good. the
1: The, the statute of limitations ran out, so I'm I'm good to go, guys. Imitations. Yes. Exactly. So, if you guys are in Disneyland, I'm gonna be there the January 27th through February 3rd. So you should probably follow me on Twitter or go to our Facebook page and let me know because is there an opportunity to meet Rolly Crump. There is, well, there used to be three opportunities. Now there's two. Maybe there'll be a third again. I don't know. But we have at least two book signings. One of which, I'm sorry if you didn't buy tickets already, it already sold out for the Mice Age event. So. I apologize. However, Friday, February 1st, you can meet him at the Barnes & Noble in Orange, California between the hours of 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. And I'll be there, too. But you don't care about me. If you you're going, you're going to meet Roley. Let's let's be honest, right? I'm what? going to meet Roley. Of course. Yes. So. But, yeah, if you are there, come out and say hi.
0: It's time for Dizzy History.
1: Captain EO is a 3D science fiction film which starred Michael Jackson, was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and was executive produced by George Lucas. So it was like a total powerhouse, holy trinity of awesome going on. And uh, it was shown at the Disney Parks from uh, 1986 through uh, the, the 1990s or so. Uh, the attraction returned to Disney Parks in uh, 2010 as a tribute after uh, Michael Jackson's death. Now, the film tells the story of Captain EO, played by Michael Jackson, and his uh, ragtag crew of uh, his spaceship that's on a mission to deliver a gift to the Supreme Leader, who lives on this world of uh, twisted metal and garbage, and I don't know what it is. It's really weird. I wouldn't live there. Um, Captain EO's alien crew consists of his small uh, flying sidekick, Fuzzball, which I used to have a stuffed animal of. Uh, the double-headed navigator and pilot ID and Odie uh, the robotic security officer Major Domo the uh, smaller robot Minor Domo see the name change there huh? see what they did and my personal favorite the clumsy elephant-like Hooter who always manages to upset the cruise mission and then Michael Jackson yells Hooter and it I love it always the best part of the show yes I- and he says it like 14 times in the movie it never gets old yell Hooter so,
0: well, well. once the crew arrived on the planet, they are captured by the henchmen of the Supreme Leader. Not the John henchmen, just the henchmen of the Supreme Leader. <laughs> I see what you did there. Pretty good. So, And they uh, were brought before her. She sentences the crew to be turned into trash cans <laughs> and to be used at Disney parks. I, I couldn't remember that for Steve Tanner. And, uh, and Captain EO to, to uh, 100 years of torture in her deepest dungeon. But before being sent away, Captain Neo tells the Supreme Leader that he sees the beauty hidden within her and that he brings her the key to unlock it, his song. Okay, I'm not going to sing. We are here to change the world. Okay, I did too. I made it without singing. I
1: really thought you were going to break and sing anyway, but good job. Uh, so, in the end, Captain EO
0: defeats the Supreme Leader's forces, does a dance number, and transforms the Supreme Leader into the gorgeous Angelica Houston and her planet into a paradise. A uh, celebration breaks out to <clears throat> another part of me as EO and his crew
1: triumphantly exit and fly off into space. Ooh, now, two song- I'm, I'm impressed. You had two song titles and you didn't sing either, so kudos. Kudos. Um, the film itself, it grew out of a partnership between Disney and George Lucas. And Lucas uh, brought Coppola aboard to direct because he kinda wanted to stay on in just the producing role. So, the story was written by, uh, Rusty Lem- I I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's spelled like lemonade, but there's an R in it, so there you go. Um, he wrote it, Lucas wrote it, and Coppola wrote it, and they got the story idea from Walt Disney Imagineering. And Coppola actually came up with the name Captain Eo, which uh, is derived from the the Greek term Eos, meaning the goddess of dawn. Mm, Doesn't really fit, but uh, it's okay. The creepy term. (laughs) Yes, we'll go with that
0: which could be. So, all right, well, Captain EO is is really thought of as one of the world's first 4D films. You know, 4D being the name given to a 3D film, which also has all those great in-theater effects like the lasers, the smoke, things that were synced to the film's narrative. You know, sort of like the bugs that leave under your feet and it's tough to be a bug. We won't talk about that. Uh, so, the innovation was suggested by producer-writer Lee, Mor- Lee Morand. I want to say Mor- Lee Morandi, maybe. I don't know. We still can't say your name right, dude. I'm sorry. To let us know in the comments or leave leave us a message. Um, so sometimes Lee Morand is referred to as the father of 4D. Captain New, of course, made full use of all those 3D effects. The action on exc- on the screen extended into the audience, included laser laser impacts, smoke effects, and star fields that filled the theater. These effects resulted in the 17 minute film costing an estimated $30 million to produce. And at the time, it was the most expensive film ever produced on a per minute basis, averaging at about $1.76 million per minute. Slightly less than we,
1: slightly more than it cost us. Yeah, just a little bit more. So the, when they brought it back in 2010, it didn't include the in-theater laser and starfield effects um, because it was retrofitted to to be used in the Honey I Shrunk the Audience theater, which they changed when you know they played Honey I Shrunk the Audience for years. Um, it does utilize the hydraulics previously used in Honey I Shrunk the Audience to make the, sh- uh, the seats shake along with uh, Captain EO's starship, and they, they also use the LED floor lighting, uh, which is new to the theater at the time. Uh, they're also used for the, the bass-heavy musical numbers. And I say musical numbers like there is like more than two of them. There's only two of them. I apologize. Um, the seats also bounce to the beat of uh, Jackson's uh, singing. Now, the Honey I Shrunk the Audience seat back misters are also employed when Hooter sneezes at the audience. I don't know about you, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Just don't pay
0: too much close attention to these seat misters.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're too close, Hooter will, will get he'll get boogers on you. Yes, he will get boogers on you, you know. And then as you walk out, you will be singing, it's just another part of me. And then the guy behind you will be like, Hooter! Hooter. He's a nerd, he's, he's, he's a geek, geek. because we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's book of the week.
0: The Art of Walt Disney, From Mickey Mouse to the Magic Kingdoms and Beyond by Christopher Finch. This is a review of the 2011 edition of the book. The Art of Walt Disney is one of the most revised books about Disney. It was originally published in 1973 and has seen many editions since then. I do happen to also own the 73, two of the 75s, the 99, and a few others in between. Uh, What I really love about this book and what makes it so important is that it's one of the few books to actually look at the company as a whole. Not just the animation or the theme parks, but all of the major roles, so to speak, that the company took. The uh, book is huge and has over 500 pages. Wow. So the book starts with a look at Walt's life and how he got started in the animation business. We follow him from Kansas City to LA and uh, like with the introduction of the Alice comedies, Oswald, Mickey, and the Silly Symphonies. Takes up about 75 pages of the book. But the real heft is dedicated to the animated features. Uh, We don't get to look at every animated feature and a critical and historical eye is turned towards the films that Finch feels garners the need for more attention. Uh, they're the big ones, of course, that even most non-Disney fans could rattle off. Uh, it even covers Home on the Range. What? Yeah, I couldn't figure that one out. But it does end with Tangled. So it's, it's, it's pretty current. So you have over 200 pages actually set aside for animation. Uh, but we do have to remember, you know, that, li- that animation was the lifeblood of the company. It's really what kept it going, started it you know, and gave us all the money to have everything else. Uh, Pixar is given about 40 pages in the animation section, and you'd be surprised at how uh, intertwined the history is that Disney and Pixar have shared, even from the beginning. Uh, it's It's a fairly developed look at Pixar and how they changed animation and the Disney company forever. Uh, about 25 pages are given over to live-action. Granted, it's not as important in the grand scheme of things, but there are still many years that live-action help keep the studios going. Uh, it's a rather spotty chapter. It manages to hit the highlights of the highlights, uh, including the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise.
1: Uh, I've never heard of that one before.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the next edition will have to have Marvel. And then Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, the section on the theme parks is just 50 pages. This includes all of the Disney parks throughout the world. Uh, There's nothing groundbreaking, nothing that we haven't seen before. Uh, The the cool thing was there was some computer artwork that very faithfully recreates the Cars Land expansion. So I think seeing this in 2011 uh, would have been pretty cool. And it's a good general look at the theme parks it really is a book though that i recommend for every disney fan it presents the history of the company that's accessible by anyone and it's one of the few places to see all of the history in one place my, my biggest issue with the book is that it's presented in in silos so to speak each section treats the uh the animation the live action the theme parks etc as separate almost as disparate functions of the company and I'd really like to see a history of the company that's actually chronological since each arm of the company is really connected and they influence—they have influenced each other greatly. Still, it's a great title for every level of Disney fan. The title is The Art of Walt Disney from Mickey Mouse to the Magic Kingdoms and Beyond by Christopher Finch. What we liked, what we didn't like, He's in the booze, 60 Second Reviews. Well, Jeff and I both received review copies of Frankenweenie, Tim Burton's latest stop motion animation film that was just released on Blu-ray and wow, <laughs> that wasn't a good wow. No, 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 that wasn't a good wow. We both reviewed it on Mice Chat for our Disney review column and we were surprised at the reaction we got. You have to check the comments out, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about of- the film itself
1: yes the the film itself well let's let's talk about the good aspects of it um blu-ray it is on blu-ray and it's it's definitely a movie it's a movie and uh, we and we definitely watched it the box was blue which was nice yeah yeah that's that's true, that's well, true. It's,
0: <laughs> it's based on a 30-minute short that they were able to do um, Back in the mid-80s, I think 1985. I I think it was
1: 84, 85 that Tim Burton did it. Um, And
0: the short was absolutely fantastic. So somebody at Disney gave him the go-ahead to make a full-length motion picture
1: out of it. And
0: something went wrong.
1: I'm, I'm not sure what happened in the transition and over the almost 30 years between then, but it just didn't work for me guys i'm sorry it just didn't um and both love tim burton yeah i'm just, a big tim burton fan
0: he's done before uh you know love nightmare before christmas beetlejuice Pee Wee's big adventure is one of my favorite movies of all time done some fantastic films but this one just it's almost like he took an idea and he's like oh we got to stretch this out for another hour How are we going to do this? I mean, there were, there were, there were, let's, let's, some of the good stuff. There were some fantastic tributes to the 1950s, you know, horror films.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And I think he did a pretty good job at those homages to the the 50s monster movies too. But it
0: was just a, a weird, the characters were odd to me and it, these the, sort of the same characters you've seen in every Tim Burton film.
1: And we made a comment on the written review, or you made a comment that the characters were ugly looking. And somebody wrote in a comment saying, well, it's a Tim Burton movie. They're all ugly looking. Yeah, but these guys were really ugly looking.
0: The characters in Nightmare Before Christmas were cute. For, I mean, yeah, some of them were disgusting and gross, but a lot of them were cute. You know, Zero was adorable. Yeah,
1: and... and- not, not just it wasn't the looks that bothered us. We should clarify that. I feel like there was no character development or redeeming qualities about any of the characters. Um, well, I like the any al- of them. Other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the character, the, the voiceover work from the characters, I thought was pretty superb for yeah. the adults. I should say, not the kids. I don't think the kids did a good job. But the like Martin Short, yeah, awesome. He was, he was great. Martin Landau, awesome. Yep. Yeah. But um,
0: it, it just sort of there were, uh, there was the character that was obviously the love interest, but they didn't know it was love interest because it was too young. Yeah, saw it there and it just didn't get developed, and it would have been a really uh, great addition to the film. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's you. You mentioned in the review too that the last like half hour, it's sort of like this, like we don't know what to do, so let's have a gigantic monster battle scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it just felt really out of place thematically with the rest of the film, and I just. I didn't get it, and I didn't understand it, and it really led to Martina and I looking at each other halfway through going, well, we're not really enjoying this, and she's like, do you want to turn it off? I'm like, I would like to, but I kind of need to watch it so I can accurately review it, so we had to go through it. But once it got to that part, we are both like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on right now.
0: Um, we, we watched it, and uh, my youngest son had a friend sleeping over that weekend, and he sort of enjoyed it. But the rest of us were kind of going, what is this? I don't know what's going on. And I've got to finish it because we've got to do a review. Yeah. And so,
1: I mean, if you don't already own Nightmare Before Christmas on Blu-ray or DVD that has the original short on it, maybe this Blu-ray is worth buying for that. But other than that, I, I, I can't I can't recommend it. I'm sorry, guys. I can't recommend it.
0: Neither one. Uh, I can't I can't recommend it either. Yikes, get one of his others.
1: Yeah, go, go watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure again instead, because, you know, that one's better. Because you're Mr. Herman.
0: Bye. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat.
1: Sunny Sleds at Blizzard Beach is a great little place to grab a sled for the snow while uh, you're inside the park. But Wait! If you've been to Blizzard Beach before, you know everything is melting. So, unfortunately, Sonny is going out of business. Luckily for you, he's got some great stuff in stack to sell to you. One of the sleds for sale is an original Space Rocket XS-17 Orbit Control Sled, which was very, very popular back in the 1950s. And this one is in pretty much, uh, in mint condition. Um... When we first saw it, we saw the XS and we thought it had to do something with the alien encounter, but uh, apparently we're dumb and it has nothing to do with the alien encounter ride. It actually is a legit brand that was super popular back then. Sorry, I wasn't born in the 50s, so I don't know that stuff. Sorry, guys. Anyway, it's there, and if you name your price, I'm sure Sonny wouldn't mind selling it to you because, as the sign says, he loves toboggan. Huh? Toboggan? You see? Oh, I had to hear you say it really slow. You don't get it, do you?
0: Well, thanks so much for watching, listening, uh, and absorbing. With, uh, your, with your mind. With your mind, yes, yes, yes. yes
1: but sure. uh, feel free to leave us a comment and rate us on iTunes. We love getting comments and, and ratings on iTunes, so do that, please. And you can always email us at CommunicoreWeekly at gmail.com,
0: whether it's a bathroom photo, a five-legged goat, or how devastatingly handsome we both are.
1: Uh, Spoiler, it's a lot. Um, You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CommunicoreWeekly. Yep. And
0: you can always follow us on Twitter. I'm at Imagineerding, and of course, he's at
1: Jeff Heimbuck. And I'm George. And I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time on CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show.